first eliminate, then automate, then delegate. And so, and that's the, uh, you know, kind of the way I started looking at everything. So first off, just because when you start, you're always like, oh, this is a new process. Let me create a checklist for this. But then you realize like, this is so random. Like now I create this checklist that's in this folder that no one ever uses. So, you know, eliminate some, simplify your business just as absolutely as much as possible. And then, you know, automate it and utilize as much technology as you can out there. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug with the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Dawkins. Now, David is the founder and owner of Seven Bridges Realty Group, a multifamily real estate firm based in Jacksonville, Florida. His firm is focused on small to medium-sized multifamily properties, offering both brokerage services and property management assistance. Uh, David is passionate about helping others learn the benefits of mastering personal finances in order to take control of one's life, and he has done just that in the last five years. I'm pretty pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible knowledge with us. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, David. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, good, Reed. Thank you for having me. Mate, my pleasure. Now, before we're talking in the green room, I actually forgot to mention you guys have a podcast, right? Can you we just do. give us a little, I forgot to even mention in the introduction, yeah, what's yeah. the podcast called? The, yeah, the podcast is The Professional Investor. Um, you can just search Professional Investor on most podcast platforms. It'll pop up. Um, yeah, we obviously would, uh, would, uh, certainly enjoy anyone going over there to check that out as well. We had you on, you know, not too long ago. It was the first time we got to speak. So, um, yeah, it's a similar, you know, interview show. We cover other real estate topics as well, but, um, certainly, yeah, be glad for anyone to check awesome. that out. Awesome. Well, that being said, mate, let's dive into it. Uh, the first question I ask all my guests when they jump mm -hmm. on the show is, uh, rewind the clock and uh, tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the first dollar was probably, or I know, I mean, it was just from, from mowing lawns, you know, you know, work, doing some work, uh, for, for, you know, friends and family. Uh, but then I really, which kind of led to, um, to kind of the, I guess the third dollar. Cause then the second dollar was going to work for a car wash. I mean, I worked for a car wash when I was in high school and, you know, it was fine. Like we, you know, I had a couple of buddies that worked there and they, uh, um, you know, we got to drive, granted it was 10 feet at a time, but we did get to drive a bunch of cars, which, you know, when you're 16, like seems like a good idea. So that was, uh, that was the first like real job where I actually, you know, I had to show up on time or for a certain time, got a paycheck, you know, et cetera. But it, then I really, at the time, just because back then, at least here in Florida, like the, the minimum wage was four eighty five. I, wow. I remember it crossed $5, <laughs> like when, you know, after I'd been there for like a month or so, and we were all like, oh, this is sweet. This is awesome. But, <laughs> but I just went, I started doing some quick math and I was just like, man, I could make more. And I had been doing pressure washing and, and some painting and stuff on the side as well. So I actually went to work for my buddy's, uh, my buddy's brother do it, had a painting company. I did that for a little bit, but then realized I could start my own. I was like, well, wait a second. He's, you know, he's paying me seven bucks an hour. That's why I left the car wash to go work for him. But then I was like, I can drum up enough business, you know, at in charge, say, you know, roughly 15 bucks an hour. And I would still be cheaper than all the other, you know, painting and pressure washing companies. So, so that was, uh, yeah, those are, you know, I guess my first few dollars, but that's just kind of how I got started, you know, into the, you know, business world, I guess you could say, even though it was on a much, you know, much smaller scale on that too, what it was a lot different to at that point in my life, I didn't know any, any real entrepreneurs. Uh, I didn't know anyone who, who owned a, you know, like in, in a, like a real business, like in, in Kiyosaki's uh, cash flow quadrants, you know, everyone, most everyone's familiar with rich dad, poor dad. And he talks about that, you know, employee, small business, big business investor. And I basically, I didn't know any big, anybody who owned a big business, a business that was a true <laughs> process. Like everyone right. I knew of was a small business owner. Like I had a couple of friends that like, like same thing. My buddy's brother owned a painting company. My friend's dad owned a landscaping company. And that's kind of where we, um, you know, where we learned how to work. But, but then, and at that time, that's what I thought like business was, okay, if you're a business owner, I thought that's what it was. You know, mm -hmm. you were just the one driving the truck and you had a couple <laughs> other guys in the back. You weren't always working as much. Um, and then, you know, obviously things has changed, have changed a lot since then, but that's, you know, because of that experience, I knew I learned, you know, at that point I was like, I'm not going to do this the rest of my life. You know, I'm not going right. to be out here pressure washing painting houses in the summer in Florida, you know, for 15 bucks an hour, even, which at the time was good money. I just knew I was like, this isn't the end goal. And where can I go from here? And so that's where, you know, I didn't know. All I knew was, I, you know, you were told go to college. I was like, okay, so I'm just going to do this, make some money. And then I'll go to college. which I did. And I continued to work through college as well, but it was all for, you know, to, to get the, the people, what I deemed as successful was the white collar, you know, professional jobs that you saw, right. you know, around town, just drove nicer cars and they just seemed, everyone seemed happy. You know, they say, I just assume they're all happy, making good money. <laughs> and then, so I just was told like, go that route. It's a route I went, went to college, um, got a degree. And then, uh, but then, then once I got into that world, I realized like, okay, well, this isn't that great either. Um, and then, you know, we can, you can kind of go from there. I'm kind of taking it on beyond that first dollar, but that's when oh, you, everything great. started shifting, you know, throughout. That's what actually recently a guy told me is actually a guy I bought a property off of and 
and we were talking, he's like 30 years, you know, ahead of me, he's wrapping things up, but he said, he goes, uh, I, I told him, I was kind of telling my story a little bit and he's like, yeah, you, you know, you figure it out in your twenties, you make your move in your thirties, you make your money in your forties. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, and it was just funny because that's kind of what I would say, you know, similar to me. Like I started working as a teenager, but then I just kind of just kept working and figured everything out more in my twenties. And then as I, you know, kind of was, it was right around when I was turning 30, I was like, all right. Um, yeah, that's things started to click and I was like, all right, I need to make a move. And, and, and uh, do my own thing where I can still achieve my financial goals, but have more control of my life. Right. And I think, so I completely agree with all the sentiments you just said, but I want to just quickly touch on the fact that you, you said you didn't know anyone who had big businesses, but the mm -hmm. fact is every business, when you boil it down to is either trade of services, which what you were doing, which was painting and power washing. But it really, I, I always loved, because I grew up as well uh, on the tools, as I like to say, working <laughs> on the tools in, in the Australian summer. So probably yeah. very similar to, to Florida in, in yeah. the sweltering heat. But that, you know, I, I still remember to this day telling my dad, oh, call my boss, tell him I've uh, broken my leg or something. I can't go back to work. I, I was building pools in, in the Australian summer, but it was just, it really valued one, two things. One, education, like, you know, mm. you go to school because I didn't want to do manual labor for the rest of my life for 15 bucks an hour, which I think is what essentially you you opened your eyes to pretty yeah. quickly. But two, also valuing that dollar and, and not being afraid to roll up the sleeves and get it done yourself because so many people and, you know, I'm not saying kids these days, but, you know, <laughs> so many people don't have that experience of coming mm. through the tools knowing how to graft, knowing how to get your fingers dirty and, and, and just getting it done, you know what I mean? And that's such a powerful lesson to learn as a young age in order to value that dollar to then go and apply those knowledge and experience and those hard hours working in the in the sun to something that, you know, don't don't work harder, work smarter. And I think that's what you've, you've ultimately discovered. So so with the when leaving college, how did you go down the real estate path? Like, when was that along this journey uh, yeah. of, of growth? Yeah, funny. Uh, so, yeah, that was still a few years later. Because, again, I'm thinking, you know, hey, I got this four-year degree. Like, we're good, right? Don't we just, you graduate, you start making six figures? Like, that's good. <laughs> and then, obviously, as most people know, I mean, depending on a year degree, of course, but typically that four-year degree, you're not coming out making six figures. So, right. um, so that, that I uh, basically, yeah, I, I was even – Telling my wife you're talking about this. So I, I moved over to Jacksonville. I was from Tallahassee. And then to me, like it was, you know, Jacksonville's a smaller market in the grand scheme. You know, you're in you're in LA and um, even I know you invest in Austin, these other, but still to me it was a big city. And I was like, oh man, I'm graduating, I'm moving to the big city. It's kind of that, you know, like you you may you, you're an adult now. You're really like right, yes, right. you've been over 18 for a while, but you're actually an adult, you're leaving college. So right, but right. I get over there and I remember I was making well, that first job, it was $36,000. I mean, that's where, you know, again, I graduated in 2008 too, which I didn't even realize that how bad of a time that was to be mm. graduating because I just, you don't know what you don't know. And so I moved over here. I was living by myself and you know, making, yeah, 36 grand. I'm like, okay, this really isn't, isn't great. Like this isn't all it's cracked up to be. And I, bounced, <laughs> I actually took, I left that job, took a couple other jobs. And then I finally realized, and, and again, you just, you learn this all through experience. Like, but I was like, okay, there is no shortcut. So let me just right. find a company again. Cause I didn't know, still didn't know anyone, you know, entrepreneurial um, or any, any, anybody that had gone off on their own like that. So I'm looking at it and still like, and all right, I got to go down the corporate route. Let me just find another company that's got a little more mobility. And so, and so that's what I did. And 
pretty much one thing led to another. I received a few promotions, I actually got promoted out to Dallas. And then it was a coincidence that I got promoted back to Jacksonville and was doing really well. I was with them for almost 10 years, but, and I got to a position, I was a, essentially a regional executive and, and the youngest of my position in the company. So I was, you know, quote unquote, you know, on that fast track. But the problem was, well, there was a number of problems. I, I realized, you know, and then at this point though, I did, which that's where I think it's important, kind of what you talk about, like too, for people not wanting to get their hands dirty in like in, a, you know, say manual labor work more in like real estate and kind of the industry we're in. But even in the corporate world, a lot, everyone just wants to take the shortcut. And unfortunately, right. sometimes you just yep. gotta build it up and that's what it did. Um, and so I just, but each year I kept making, I had, you know, good annual reviews and percentage increases and kept getting promotions and finally got to, like I said, that executive level, where I was paid off the bottom line. And from really there, which that's what everyone, you know, what needs to understand too, like you want to have a, a position, especially if you're going to try to, you know, invest, obviously you need money. So you need to, even unless you do have a certain, you know, a certificate, like you're a doctor or, you know, engineer, architect, something in those lines where you can, you have a certification, all the other jobs, you're going to just have to work your way up, you know, and you need to get into something that's either in sales, in my, this is my opinion, in sales or that uh, you can get paid off of the bottom. You're in some sort of managerial role where you get paid off the bottom line. So then your income can, you know, increase at a much greater clip than that, say two or 3% you know, annual increase. And so that's what I did. And so I was like, and that's, I was just on the prize. It was all about, you know, everybody, I think their initial goal is make six figures. You know, you want to get to that, that number. And then I got in, uh, I was in that position for, and then once I got to that level, it was only a couple of years. We, we performed really well. Our, our, at the time I was there, we increased the profits by 150%. And so wow. it, uh, yeah. And it was, and well, obviously it wasn't just me too. It was a lot of other people, but, um, <laughs> but it's still, we, uh, but my pay, you know, basically went with that essentially. And so I was making the money and that's when everything, so I'm like, okay, I'm essentially here. Like everything at this point, I'm probably, I'm 20, Eight. I've been with the company, you know, five or six years. I was, yeah, I was roughly like late twenties and I'm like, okay, everything that I've had my eye on the last five years, like I'm here and I got mm -hmm. it. And, but I'm like, why am I not happy? <laughs> you know, I was like, why, why do I not enjoy going to work? You know? And it was just one of those. And then I look back, there were times that I probably, if I had really, if I wasn't so dead set on just making more money, probably would have realized some stuff earlier, but basically I just kind of assumed the guys that were in the position that I was now, that I was trying to get to, I just assumed everything was good. You know, like they're mm -hmm. happy, they enjoyed working. And in reality you get there and yeah, everyone, they all make good money, but they all are not happy at their job, you know, and there's a lot of <laughs> factors that they don't like. And that's what I kind of learned everything. And I'm like, okay. And then because I, it was, you know, I was younger. I'm like, okay, I'm not even 30. So am I going to do this for the next 30 years, like 20 or 30 years. I was like, I really, and, and, and I was at a position, they also wanted me to keep moving. And so basically my role wouldn't have really changed. I was at that, the, cause I didn't have any desire to be at their corporate office. So, but I was just going to go from one market to the next. Like, so basically go from my position in Jacksonville to an Atlanta, to an Austin, to a LA and to make, and like, I could, you know, as we performed, I was going to make more money, but to really make more money, cause that's what I was going to have to do. Right. And I realized I just, you know, and there was a lot of day to day, they were slowly taking the, the autonomy of the regional offices. Like they were making, they were take they were uh, moving, centralizing more corporate office. And that's just, to me, I wanted more control, you know, especially like, yeah, if you want me to, 
if you're paying me off the bottom line, you want me to act like a business owner, then you need to allow me to act like a business owner. And there was, uh, there was some issues with that. And then the fact my, my wife, now wife, you know, at the time too, she's from Florida, didn't want to move again. And basically I realized like, okay, I can keep making more money, but I'm just not, I don't see myself really being happy going down this road. Mm. And so what can I do to, to, to basically achieve both? How can I achieve the financial success and then live life, you know, more on, on my terms? And that's what, so I started looking at everything and it took me a while. I looked through, I swear I've researched every franchise out there. You know, I've been on, I think most of you have y'all, if you're familiar with biz buy sell, the, the website where yep. you buy businesses, I've booked, if it's, if it's been on the market the last, well, I stopped, you know, a year, a few years ago, but there was a stretch there where, I mean, I was calling business brokers. I was looking at buying a business or just leaving, starting my own. And everything that I kept coming back to was, you know, and then I started to learn about real estate investing, but it was like, okay, well, I need some, some income today. And so, but everything I kept coming back to, it's like, basically it's, I mean, this is still a job. Like you're running a business. It's very, it's, uh, you know, labor intense. I mean, you need to be, you're very involved with the day to day, like everything I was, I was looking into. And so I finally realized like, okay, well, real estate seems, you know, and at this point I had, uh, and we, I kind of skipped over, but too, I was really into personal finance. You know, that was, that was huge for me. And I, I paid off all my student loan debt, got my, you know, my credit score was high. And so it, it was easier for me to lend or to, I was very lendable. It was easier for me to borrow. And that's kind of how I had high income, you know, no debt. It was easy for me to start getting into real estate from that perspective, those first few properties. And then I kind of realized that, Hey, I'm going to have to, you know, at some point I need to leave, but right now I'm not going to be able to replace this income that I have today. So I basically made the decision to kind of, I was going to write it out. I probably knew before I left my job, I knew I was going to leave probably two to three years before that. Um, and then I basically was setting myself up, you know, as far as like stacking cash away, um, you know, continuing to, to be, you know, live within my means. And basically as my income kept moving up, I just, you know, had that cushion, that Delta just continued to grow and I had more money to invest. And that's when, you know, I picked up, I just started getting rent, one rental property after another, after another. Um, and then, you know, it was a year ago that I, a little over a year ago now that I just, you know, pulled the plug, left my job entirely, went full time into real estate. And I had a decent portfolio at that point too. And then I knew with all of the, and that's, that's, you know, kind of another topic we talked about as far as, you know, being a pure investor or running a business in real estate. So I started realizing that most of the people like, yes, they invest in real estate, but a lot of people that you hear on different podcasts or anything, et cetera, like they're also running businesses in real estate. And so that's, that's basically where I, I, I decided, I kind of started realizing that and I'm like, well, wait a second, why am I going to go start a business in some other industry, even if it can make money? Cause it's going to take a bunch of my time just to make money and then invest it in real estate. <laughs> and so I was like, let me just stick hundred percent in real estate. And then over the past year, it's actually, the, the, the business side has continued to grow even more so than I originally, you know, originally planned. Originally it was going to be more just uh, essentially, you know, almost it, it, do, you know, running deals from a JV standpoint and possibly right. some syndication, but usually most of, most of our deals are the smaller ones where it's just JVs, but, but we've actually, there's been some other businesses that have kind of um, spun off of, of the original vision, you know, over a year ago. 
Yeah, look, mate, awesome content just there in terms of you know everything that you've you've spilled out to us and, and the audience. But I think what you're really getting at, if I can pick it apart, is that the fact that you realise real estate, yes, does produce cash flow, but it's a little bit more slow and steady wins the race. And, mm-hmm. and building businesses that complement the real estate portfolio means that you could have a business, you know, revenue coming in from those businesses that support. The, the the ultimate goal of continuing to grow the portfolio and and that in itself means it's a business ecosystem because one business supports the other supports the other it supports the investments and that is the most in my mind the most powerful way to build wealth and you look at all the different businesses out there you know um, look at apple and how they started with a computer and now all the different widgets they have the ipod the mm. iphone the tablet and it's all around the apple brand right and yeah. it's the same thing with what you're doing with your real estate business, you've got the brokerage services, you've got the property management game, you've got the actual investing and one supports the other and one can't be successful without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's the most powerful thing that I've talked to so many entrepreneurs on this show that they come to that realization that yes, they wanna be a, a real estate investor, but they need to have the continual revenue coming through. And, and real estate will produce some of that, yeah. but you, know, you, you can also maximize that revenue by bringing property management in-house, by doing brokerage services yourself mm-hmm. and keeping the profits for yourself rather than paying it to someone else and for me that was the the biggest thing that took when the blinkers came off I was like oh i get it now you can do so <laughs> much more with it than just owning the real estate <laughs> that no that same with me that's so true and that's what i've learned like i'm actually uh reading there's been a few books but the one i'm reading now is on rockefeller but if you you know study a lot of the the great you know business leaders of in the past i mean that's what they did he wanted to control every aspect of, of the oil industry there was a, another book i read it's a good book called uh, the fish that ate the whale about a guy that took over the banana industry it's kind of random but mm-hmm. it's actually a very interesting story and and but same thing i mean they controlled from growing the the crops in central america all the way to selling it on the street you know here in the u.s so right um again that just that vertical integration and, and that's kind of to your point it all it kind of did the light bulb went off at some point over the last year and it started it really started organically because i was like okay i, I had you know some money coming in off the portfolio like i said so i i kind of and i had a lot of a large cash reserve i kind of took that leap of faith i was like hey if yep. i can pick up these doors i got basically my runway is x long so if i can mm-hmm. get this many doors in this time like i'll be good And so that was my strategy. And then, but as I did, when I started moving up from the single family to small multifamilies into the commercial, still small multifamilies, but commercial, you know, five and up, like my first property was a 10 unit. And it was, I was, I, I couldn't, I was amazed at how like the, the property management, cause I was using property at the time was outsourced property management, some of our properties and they were doing fine from on the single families, but for some, they just didn't understand how to, how to operate a 10 unit, you know, which isn't, that big of a gap, but it was just tough. And then I realized there was no one in town that really special. You had a few companies that handled the hundred plus, you know, that model. And then you had a bunch of companies doing single families. So it was almost out of necessity because I had another property under contract and I'm like, man, if I bring on, and at this point I'm starting to get partners. Uh, so I'm like, man, if I, you know, I got some money now, I'm finding the deals, but if they don't start operating, this is going to be a real short, short run I got here in, in real estate. And so it was basically out of necessity that I started um, the property management just for my own properties and then realized, yeah, I mean, well, if I have everything set up, you know, that's not the main focus, but we, we will take on other owners' properties as well. And then 
to do that, you have to be a broker, you know, here, at least in Florida, you have to manage anyone else's property. You have to be a broker. So, and I was already an agent. I've been an agent for a few years. So I'm like, well, I guess I get my broker's license. And then right. kind of again, back to just like, okay. And then the light bulbs start going off. I'm like, well, wait a second. Cause there's a lot of like, for example, here, there's still a, a lot of say like triplex and quadplexes that'll, that'll you know, come across my desk. And, but to me, one, I'm not interested in them anymore. And two, the numbers just don't work. Like here, there's people they are either doing house hacking or they're Airbnb. And so what right. I know in my mind, I'm like, yes, I know that's going to sell for, you know, call it half a million, but I wouldn't pay more than 350. So right. where instead of just letting those go across my desk now, and as you build up a network of, of other investors and brokers here in, in Jacksonville, it's like, okay, now I can help you. I can find a buyer for you. Like I'm not interested, but I know someone. So it has just all kind of organically happened. And, and now we even offer uh, call segregation, you know, services as well. Oh. So just again, it's just like, Oh, cause, and that was just something I was doing those on all my properties. And then, you know, works contacted the company, worked with them. And I was like, Hey, I can, so I'm a sales associate for them as well. Um, but it just helps again. It's kind of that full service, uh, and if you, you know, it's like, yes, there's a few, th a number of things going on, but they're all focused around small to mid-sized multifamily, you know, in Jacksonville. And right. so it's basically, like you said, it's kind of a little ecosystem I was trying to create. And you are creating it, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's everything to, from cost segregation. I guess the question is, at what point do you stop controlling every piece of it because you just don't have so many hours in the day, right? There's, there's, right. there's some things that you can leave the profits on the table. Like yep. I'm thinking of, you don't need to be picking up the paintbrush or even yeah. the cost segregation. You don't need to be actually doing the walk around the property, right? Or doing Absolutely. the crunching the numbers, but maybe you have someone in house who can do it. So talk to me about how that team has expanded. So you're not personally doing it. Maybe you haven't got to that stage yet, but yeah. you know, that's where you're going. Absolutely. And that's, and I'm kind of at in that, you know, beginning of that stage, we're starting to, um, you know, outsource and, and, and hire on, you have one employee now. And then basically, yeah, I think the key for that question, what I did was I knew, you know, what I wanted the business to look like in five years. And I, I heard one, someone said, uh, I can't remember where this was, basically any business you start plan, start, start it and run it like you're planning to sell it in five years. And whether you do or not, that doesn't matter. But have that, but when you have that mindset, it forces you to create systems and processes to where, you know, you're not doing everything. You can plug people in. And I even, um, actually behind me here on the wall, I have an organizational chart. And so I created it, I don't know, you know how long ago, but I put in all the positions for under each, you know, just any sort of basic, you know, sales, operations, finance, like any company. And I plugged in all these, you know, quote unquote, different departments in my company, <laughs> even though when I, when I drew, I typed it out, but when I typed it out, like literally every under each position, the name was David, <laughs> like I did everything, but I knew, and then I, and then I had a list of like, okay, well, when I get to this many doors, I'll fill this role. When I get to here, I'll fill that role. Um, and so, uh, but to kind of answer your question of what I've done so far, I mean, first off, I think there's, this is what's great nowadays. I mean, just with technology, I mean, so, so much is great with technology, but, um, there's, you can, you can automate, you know, so it's something else. I always forget where I hear this stuff too. I wish I could give people more credit for their quotes, but someone said, uh, you know, everyone th hears delegate, right? Everyone's like, well, mm -hmm. you need to delegate stuff. But the, the, I heard someone said, they're like, no, you first eliminate, then automate, then delegate. Yep. And so, and that's the, uh, you know, kind of the way I started looking at everything. So first off, just cause when you start, you're always like, Oh, this is a new process. Let me create a checklist for this. But then you realize <laughs> like, 
this is so random. Like now I create this checklist that's in this folder that no one ever uses. So, right. you know, eliminate some, simplify your business just as absolutely as much as possible. And then, you know, automate it and utilize as much technology as you can out there. And one, like for an example of that is just with, with property management, if you invest in a quality property management software, um, and I use building, I'm not, I don't get any, you know, perk for that, but just let everybody know. I know Affolio is one out, the big one everyone uses, uh, or Yardy. I mean, um, there's there's a few others that are great, but um, but basically that will handle a lot of it for you. I mean, those those the software and the functions that they provide will just like communications back and forth to tenants. You know, it's so easy to just automate, send a mass email to a hundred like through the system. Everything's everything is uh you know, housed there as well. I actually just went through that with my employee. She was, she was just keeping like every email. When I logged into the property manager email, I'm like, I just, one day I just went on a deleting spree and just <laughs> it all up because there was duplicates everywhere. I was like, we really don't, we don't need all of this. Um, but then we utilize uh, tenant Turner too, which is another company that helps on the lead, you know, for vacant, vacant units. So uh, I'm trying to think there's, if there's any other companies like that, that we've, uh, we've outsourced, but basically I would, you know, just recommend use as many functions like that as possible. And then, yeah, just bring people on. And I have, and it's funny in my, she started out just originally for marketing. Cause when I got into started the podcast like a year ago, this was all new to me. Like that's a, my background is more finance and sales and I didn't have anything, you know, when it came to marketing. And then uh, she just, as we grew, like kind of organically was willing to take on, you know, she was, she had needed a part-time or uh, was open to this part-time job, but then the way she wanted to leave this other one. So she was like, okay, yeah, I'll take on more work. So it kind of organically happened to where she now handles the day to day from the property management standpoint, as far as, you know, fielding the calls, I'm still very involved the way I do it. And it took a little while and I, I don't, again, don't plan to do this forever. Um, but where I actually do run property management one, one day a week. So like mm. one day a week, I actually am operating that inbox and the phone and, you know, if anything comes up and the reason why I like, cause it just keeps me dialed in on everything. And then, cause, and really when, when, when I made that shift, the change from like, it, it didn't really even take up that much more of my time because it eliminated all this communication that we were having on a daily basis. I was basically right. like, Hey, just hold, I'll handle that Wednesday. Everything just turned into, I'll handle it Wednesday. I'll get to it, you know, assuming it wasn't an urgent. So, um, so that's kind of how, and how we, or I've gone, you know, gone about it. And then the you know plan is moving forward because, and then everything we outsource, you know, for you mentioned like, you know, picking up the hammer and all like that's, we outsource that to all our contractors. Um, so, and that's just a network of vendors that I've you know created over the years, just from the different times that I needed them. And, the next step with that though, again, kind of like a light bulb went off to me telling me, well, this is easy because all I got to do at the end of the year is once that I realize that I've paid certain vendors, you know, call it say, so once you realize you paid the ha a handyman service 50 grand, well, <laughs> then you can just go hire your own handyman. Right. And that's kind of, yes. um, that's kind of the, the route that basically where we're at now is just as the, as the, <clears throat> as the um, units grow. So it's basically just, you know, as the, as the expenses grow, start bringing that stuff in house so we can then control, you know, the expenses that much better. And I think the, the, the beauty of doing that is to your point, you've got to uh, the end of the year financial, you can see how much you've spent on, on certain vendors. And I know for ourselves at Wildhorn, we, 
we spend a lot of money on accounting uh, and, and bookkeeping. And this comes to points like, when do I need to hire a CFO? Like, yeah. wh- when do I bring that in house? And, and that gives it a t- give them a title um, because I'm spending maybe it's ten thousand dollars a month uh, across you know the two thousand units to to manage this. So there does come a point, and, and it, we've had conversations about that. But it's only once you've got to a certain stage, and it feels good once you come to that stage because you then know well I can save a bit of money, um, but also can bring it in house and they work directly for me, right? right? And that's that's something that is it feels pretty good when you're building building something from nothing and you're building a little baby. Yeah. Um, but I guess what's the sort of what's the does twenty twenty look like for you growing going forward? And, and I guess the other question is you know key performance indicators. Do you know if you bring on X amount of units from a property management service point of view that you're going to earn Y amount of dollars for, in terms of revenue? So you can you, know, you can be can continue to be profitable and pay those employees and keep growing the staff and keep growing the business on that end? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, well, first of all, I'll just answer that, that part you know, first. That's a good thing about or one of the good things, and there's other industries like this too, but with property management, really your personnel is your main, you know, expense. And so like right now, like the, and it basically, it's slightly variable. I was going to say most of your other expenses, you know, are variable, which that's the thing. Like once you get it off the ground, once you pay for, you know, the software subscription, you know, tenant Turner, you're paying X a month, you're, you know, marketing, once you, you have, you have all these initial expenses, you know, that, that, are essentially are fixed. Like I know building will, once you get, as you increase your units, it starts going up marginally, but it's basically as your, every dollar of revenue doesn't increase, you know, the dollar of expenses on right. most of them with the exception of personnel. And so that's another, the, the way I look, cause obviously individuals, which again, though, if you take a number of things off their plate, you know, as much as possible being like having tenant Turner, for example, help with, with leasing the units, and fielding a lot of that as inbound communication, then that one person that maybe historically could handle, you know, 50 units can now handle 75 or, or more um, because of, because you have, you have taken so much off their plate. And so basically then you're looking at it as a, and that's why I pay, i run everything off of percentages though too. So if that personnel expense, obviously really, and it kind of goes up, it doesn't vary, but it pretty much in that 35 to 50% of revenue is really going to end up going to, uh, to personnel. And that right. doesn't even include, you know, my time. But then the good thing is the overhead though is, is going to be a very small over time as you continue to grow, uh, will be a smaller and smaller percentage. And so, yeah, as far as, uh, making sure you're oper- you're profitable still basically, yeah, you know, you know that every dollar coming in essentially, quote, you know, roughly, I don't want to, you know, it varies, but basically half of that, you know, is, is going to be, you know, close to half of that is going to be more to your profit or, but, it, and that's why even that too, again, because the, you know, quote unquote profit, but as, as I said, like, I'm not accounting in my time too. So if I really, if you broke right. it down to your owner wage, you know, then the actual div, you know, profit, you know, dividends at the bottom would be much less than that. But from, a, um, from your expenses, they're pretty minimal. You know, you have your personnel, then you have your overhead expenses. Like I said, as you grow, become smaller and smaller. So the question I have for you is what's been the biggest uh, lesson learned through this whole process? And, 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 you know, you now start to figure it out. You're starting to crawl and now you're probably walking. Mm-hmm. Soon, sooner rather than later, you'll probably be running and even sprinting. So what's been the biggest lesson out of all of this? I would say um, that, you know, kind of, and kind of goes back to, to what you, you know, mentioned earlier, but just don't be a, like, you can't be afraid to 
roll your hands up and just do things yourself. You know, I, mm-hmm. that's one thing I've learned is just that most of this stuff, because again, for, for me, I mean, I'm not really technologically, you know, that, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm in my mid, I'm 34. So it's like, yes, I understand technology. I'm not that old, but I never, I would not uh, like even today, for example, I, it's amazing again, back to technology, what's out there. I was updating my podcast website, like with the, on the back end, like with the WordPress site, which I know some people are probably like, well, yeah, what's a big deal. But that, I'm telling you that was foreign. Like when I logged into it, <laughs> they gave me, they built it. They gave me the, the, the information. And then I was just like, man, but all I did was Google. I Googled a couple of YouTube videos and made the few adjustments I needed. I didn't even have to contact the developer again. Um, and so that's what over this past year, I think I've learned my, my confidence in myself has just continued to grow. And basically that that you'll figure it out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. again, depending on the industry you're going into, but most of the listeners are probably, it's probably real estate related um, or, or just, you know, business on, you know, again, uh, you know, not, not too high level where it's, it's pretty easy. And like, and you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it's uh well, actually I should tell you, it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, right. it, it really, and it's tough to do, but it's not that complicated. So if you sit down and actually focus, you can figure a lot of things out. And right. that's where, you know, and it's just all like property management, you know, for example, it's just all, it's, it's just a lot of work. And that's what real estate, I feel like in general, it's a lot of work up front, you know, at least for the buy and hold investors, like, like myself, I mean, you put a ton of work in up front, but once you get everything set up, it's, you know, not passive, you do have to manage it, but it's, it starts to become much more smoother. And it's the same thing. I would say the same thing has happened on, on the, the business side, just everything. It's a lot of we're getting stuff set up. I mean, you, you know, you got to create LLCs and, you know, open the bank accounts and just et cetera, et cetera. It just seems like all this monotonous stuff. But, um, but once you get through that, then, you know, like, okay, now you can get back to the, you know, fun, fun part of just, you know, <laughs> get, getting the business going. Building businesses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would just say, I mean, just the fact that, uh, that, yeah, I mean, you, it stuff's not that complicated, you know, right. is no, what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is not complicated. It's not rocket science and it's something yeah. that, but you, again, to the point of what we think the underlying theme for the show is, is like learning to roll up the sleeves and just be willing to figure it out. Because what you said earlier, even in your corporate world, people are still just trying to take the shortcut. Yeah. And it's, it's, you got to stop that BS and that we'll swear that bullshit and, just roll up the sleeves and it's not hard. It just takes some time, focus, turn the bloody phone off yeah. and go use YouTube if you need to do everything from tiling a floor to updating your <laughs> WordPress, WordPress yeah. site um, to starting a podcast. Like all those things help. And I think that's that's the that's the beauty of building businesses that you're continuing to learn mm-hmm. things because, you know, I, I can't remember, you talk about quotes before, like someone said to me the other day, like, I just know that I know very little and I've got still so much more to learn, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what business is. You're just yep. constantly learning about new ways to do it better, to do it more efficiently, um, to, 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 to build teams. All that stuff is just, it's learning. You're just coming from one lesson to the, to the other and you keep, you're putting, you're stocking it away in the, in the back of the mind and then you keep building forward and then look for, to build other businesses, other things within the ecosystem that can help propel you yeah. to, to, towards your goals. So that's awesome uh, stuff. Yeah, that's one thing. I mean, I mean, I have, I've noticed if you, most successful people, it's a common theme is they're lifelong learners. Right. And, and they just always are. And that, that was the thing too. That was a big mindset shift. And I don't know when that kind of started, probably, you know, kind of the start of all this real estate stuff. But yeah, when I left college, I was one like, all right, I'm never done. Not, right. not going back. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I ended up, of course, going back and get my MBA because, you know, again, it just it furthered me in my corporate career at the time. But 
Um, but yeah, and, it, and but now you know I, I, I enjoy it. Learning, you know, I'm always reading books, listening to podcasts, and and that's something you know too. You mentioned yeah, or one I think two people. One I will say it's it's a lot more enjoyable. It's a lot easier to roll your hands up and get dirty when it's your business, you know, as mm, opposed to someone else. It's your baby. Yes. Like, so you're yeah. like, Hey, I don't care if I got to do it. It's getting done. This is my name. <laughs> it's representing like we're, we're getting this thing going. And, uh, so, so yeah, I think that's just, um, something that makes it easier once you do, you know, awesome. it, it, once you do jump out on your own. Mm, awesome. Well, mate, we're coming to the end of the show, but before we dive into the top five investing tips, one last yeah. question for you. What does uh, 2020 have in store for you and, and beyond? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully this other property does, you know, continue to stay on track and close by the end of the month, which would be, um, one of the, you know, the biggest for us, you know, as far as me and my personal portfolio. So that'll be huge. And just looking to continue to grow everything. Like, like we've, uh, kind of touched on all this is all everything we're mentioning is really like you, you know it is i like how you put it, you know it's like you're crawling walk that's where i would say i'm at going from that like crawl to walk stage so i'm just excited about everything that had that i've been able to to start and like lay the foundation for you know over the last 12 months to now just continue to love build it. on love it all right mate well look let's get into the top five investing tips ready to do it let's do it mate what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals so man, there's a, I kind of got, I'm a big, I'm big on habits and, and processes. So, but I, uh, you know, I have my morning routine, but I would say the, the biggest thing that I do is at the end of each day, I map out my next day. And mm-hmm. so when I wake up, um, I, I'm just, I, there's no thinking. I'm not like I have to wake up every once. Oh, what do I got to do today? I just, I have my morning routine. You know, I go, I work out, I, you know, get ready. I'll read. And then, um, I do, I do a couple of little journaling things and then basically come into my office and it's just right there on my desk of what I got to do. And then just throughout the day, cross everything off. If something doesn't get done, it just obviously gets added to the next day. (laughs) (laughs) So then you make sure everything gets done. And it too, I feel like it's really at the end of the day, I'm not worrying. I'm not at eight o'clock at night. I'm not sitting there going, Oh man, did I forget something? Because Mm. I've, I've kind of wrapped up my end of day. Right. Right. Love it. Question number two is what is the, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? I, you know, I haven't, that's what, uh, I don't think I can even mention, you know, one specific person. And I like to actually point this out because, you know, in, in especially in real estate, you hear so much about mentors and how important it is to have a mentor. And that's so true. I, I would, I would agree with that. And there's a lot of benefits, but you don't have to have one particular person. And that's where, you know, 10 years ago there, I, I didn't know about podcasts, but from, I would consider all of the, you know, someone like yourself, you know, the people that you listen to on these podcasts and, and authors of these books that I've read, I mean, I would say they're all, you know, it'd be hard to pick one, but those are the most influential people. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to have someone in your immediate circle who's a successful real estate investor. And you don't have to go, if you find one, you don't have to bug the guy to death either. You know, you can obviously try to create relationships where you can, but so many people, you know, like yourself are putting out content that you can pick up on. It's free. It's out there. Like, just go get it. And then, you know, those, you can have all the mentors in the world if you just, you know, go take in everything they're putting out. I love it. No, it's so true. And it, there is so much, there's no, ignorance isn't an excuse anymore. This Everything's at our fingertips and we can go get the information we need. So yeah, definitely love it. Question number three, what is the most influential tool in your business? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool, like a journal or a phone, or it could be a piece of software that you use on a daily basis. What is the most influential tool? Yeah, I would say, you know, now at this point, it, it'd have to be um, the property management software. 
I mean, that's just, yeah, again, I mean, not that you have to use, you know, building, you can use whichever one, but if you don't have some sort of tool like that, then it's, it would just be really tough to, to, I mean, you, yeah, it'd be really tough to scale beyond a few units, you know, and really keep track of everything. hundred percent. No, I think, yeah, having, having software is so important, particularly in a business like property management. Um, question number four, in one sentence, what's been the biggest failure in your career? What'd you learn from that failure? Um, the, uh, I'm trying to think the biggest failures. Cause I've, you know, everyone's had, had quite a few, but that's where, uh, I would say, uh, the biggest one, it's, it's funny. It was really that experience of, uh, cause I've had a lot of other, you know, issues. I bought houses that then, you know, it still had knob and tube wiring and both ACs went out like in the first two months. So I've had those experiences, but I think the experience of, of the property management, you know, and knowing like, Hey, that that didn't work. It, that this failed. Like, so then I had to find a solution on my own, you know, which was ended up being me create my own, you know, company. But, uh, but yeah, I would say that that was the biggest failure was, you know, not, uh, was, yeah, you know, put outsourcing property management onto certain company that, you know, wasn't able to handle it. So then, you know, what I learned from that was, Hey, sometimes you just got to do it yourself, right, <laughs> you know, right. but I think, and then I will just to add on that too, because people always, there's the, and kind of goes back to our conversation because if you do everything yourself, you obviously, it can hurt you from the scaling perspective. It's hard to keep scaling if you're, if you're doing everything. So right. when you, when you, you can bring stuff in house that I'm like, you know, we've talked about like you, where you then hire it out. It's like, yes, it's your company, you control it. But even if you, you can do stuff in the beginning on your own, but have a plan to, to hire someone to handle that on a day to day. Love it. Love it, mate. Mate, final question. Where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? Yeah, they uh, would. Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is just by email. Um, so you can just email me directly. It's david at sevenbridgesrei.com. And that's spelled out. So sevenbridgesrei.com. Love it. Love it, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for dropping by. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think the the, the thing I said earlier, that your lessons learned with the, even in the corporate world, that everyone wants to try and take the shortcut, but but really the, the, the ability to roll up the sleeves and, and get it the work done through experiences of grafting for your dollar in the beginning of your life as a young kid has helped you know that Cut, making there, there are no shortcuts, right? Building businesses, it's not complicating, but it is tough and it takes time. And that's really what I think you, it sounds like you've learned along the way in order to build business ecosystems to then really realize the power of having a business to support the individual businesses within the, the bigger scheme to help you buy more and more real estate. And I think for me, that was probably the biggest thing that I took away from today. Uh, and, and also looking at like simplifying your business, always continuing to look to simplify, always continuing to look to learn and grow and figure out different systems. And it goes back to just rolling up the sleeves and getting it done because it is your baby. You love it. It's yours. And you're trying to build something from nothing. Uh, did I leave anything out? Absolutely. No, that sounds good, man. Awesome, man. Well, look again, thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from David. Please do go check him out and uh, David at sevenbridgesrei.com. Uh, his email will be up on our show notes uh, after the show. So please get over to readgoosens.com and check those out. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show and if you love this show the easiest way to give back is to go on iTunes and give us our show a five star review it's pretty easy it only takes you two minutes um, again we're going to do this all again next week so remember be bold be brave and go give life a crack a crack